0: I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, my counterpart is excited to mark a big anniversary. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes,
1: Die Hard with a Vengeance is 25 years old and we'll honor it by looking at our favorite third installments of our favorite franchises.
0: Wow, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, We're going to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Hudson Hawk next year. And lots of interesting movie news this week, so let's dive in. First, a reminder Jeff is working from home, so there's a slight delay on his end, and we are going to do our best to not step on each other's toes. The infamous
1: Snyder Cut of Justice League is coming to HBO Max next year. What's on your weird mind? I'm putting together a team. I'm in. You are? That was beautiful. Things are gonna keep coming. You get technical. I'm on bug duty. Let's do it. Ride ain't over yet. (laughs) My man! (laughs) Justice League, rated PG-13. Justice League, of course, was the 2017 movie that teamed up the DC Comics superheroes, Avengers style, with Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, The Flash, and others. Zack Snyder directed the lion's share of the movie, but due to a horrible family tragedy, he left the film unfinished and Joss Whedon came in to finish it. Speaking of the Avengers, Justice League was panned by fans and critics alike, 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. It took in $230 million in North America and another $430 million around the globe. Not but also not great, certainly not in Avengers territory. However, in the years since, rumors grew that there was a Zack Snyder finished cut out there somewhere. That was much better. There was a Twitter hashtag, release the Snyder cut, that was prevalent. And now Warner Brothers is going to do just that, sort of. He's getting the post-production crew back together to add music, edit, and finish some visual effects. So it doesn't sound like there was an actual literal, literal copy of a finished Snyder cut all these years, but he definitely did have a plan before he left the film, and now Warner Brothers letting him finish it the way he wants to. It'll be released on the HBO Max streaming service sometime next year. Warner Brothers is affiliated with that service, but the format's still being worked out. It could be a four hour version of the film. It could be broken down into several TV style chapters, according to the Hollywood Reporter. I'm curious to see it. Justice League was garbage. I'm um, And I'm not one of these guys that just hates all the DC stuff. I actually like the Batman versus Superman movie, and I loved Man of Steel and Wonder Woman. But Justice League was a punt, and under the circumstances, it was understandable. So it's cool they're letting them do this, Brett.
0: Yeah, I think that this is actually really good because Justice League was a classic example of studio meddling. And I know that Snyder had to leave because of the aforementioned family tragedy. But when you look at uh, how the, the studio did go in and and tinkered with it, and they made demands that it, it had to be two hours or less so they could try to just maximize the number of screenings they could get. So, I mean, I so I from a financial perspective, I understand that. But Snyder had a vision... Whether you agreed with it or not, that they hired him to follow through on his vision. So I think this is great. And uh, some of the actors have spoken as well. They're excited. Uh, Henry Cavill, for example, who plays Superman, he posted uh, something on Instagram saying, just had a little chat with Zack Snyder after a Man of Steel watch party. Ladies and gents, it finally happened. The Snyder Cup will be out. Next year Now I know there have been two camps Over the whole Snyder Cut thing And whether it will ever happen for a while Just remember we all get to have more Justice League now It's a win-win So be nice to each other Big congratulations to you Mr. Snyder I did not enjoy Justice League Well, hang on if I say I didn't injo- enjoy it at all, that would be a lie. I did enjoy parts of it. It was, it was a fun little romp, but it did also, there was, uh, you could tell that when Whedon came in, the, the, the tone sort of shifted. So it, it just wasn't quite a cohesive or coherent uh, film. And even there were changes that Whedon made where, like, Junkie XL was the composer for Snyder. But Whedon went out and hired Danny Elfman to do the the score for a Justice League. So I didn't really like that either. Um, so yeah, I think this is great, and it kind of reminds me of the Superman two business, you know, where they they got rid of Richard Donner and they brought in um, oh, what was his name something Lester. Uh, yeah, and uh, the, that then it, there were just all kinds of nonsense things included in the movie that were like the, the, the Kryptonians suddenly had these weird powers where they could shoot beams out of their eyes, and Superman pulls off that thing off his chest that turns into a giant S kind of net. Um, and uh, the, apparently they got rid of... I never did watch the Superman 2 director cut the Richard Donner. Oh, it's Richard Lester. Okay, so it's Richard Donner and Richard Lester. Uh, I never did watch the Donner cut, but apparently they took all of that crap out. And uh, so I would like to see that. And I'm very curious to see this version because I do think there's a good story in Justice League. It just needs to be presented properly. So, yeah, I think this is great, Jeff. Yeah, we'll find out in uh,
1: 2021. Uh, No specific date has been released, but they'll be working on it for a while, and I'm sure we'll find out as soon as they know whenever they're going to release it. So that's something to look forward to next year. Um, In an unsurprising move, another potential blockbuster that was to open in theaters next month has now been shifted somewhere else. It's Tom Hanks' Greyhound, in which he plays the captain of a warship during World War II, and now it's set to premiere on Apple TV+. Plus. Congratulations on your command.
0: We'll always be looking for you, Evie. Even if I'm a thousand miles away. Air escort to Greyhound. You will now be out of range of air cover for the next five days. Safe travels to England. How many crossings does this make? This is my first. I got some.
1: Most likely you both. He the under us. Fire. We have a kill. The Apple has not yet said when it will put uh, start streaming Greyhound, but the movie was supposed to hit theaters on Father's Day weekend next month, so I'm sure they'll release it soon. And why not? They paid a fortune. CNBC reporting that Apple paid Sony 70 million dollars for the streaming rights. For the next 15 years, the budget of the movie, which Hanks also wrote, by the way, was $50 million. So they're making a $20 million profit on the movie. It's a big move by Apple to acquire it, but I don't know how many people will actually sign up for the streaming service because of a Tom Hanks... Navy movie I don't think I will and I actually do want to see this movie I don't know if I have to wait 15 years or whatever the deal is but that's uh that's the way these things are going I guess the producers of the movie didn't want to wait for a hole in the schedule down the road because all these other blockbusters that are being postponed like once this once the theaters do reopen it's going to be non-stop blockbusters for like six months because of everything that had to wait three or four months.
0: It is curious that Apple TV Plus has put so many eggs into this basket, but I wonder, and I haven't even bothered looking into Apple TV Plus because there's very little on that service that I'm interested in. There's not enough there to justify diving into this and subscribing to it. But if there is an option to maybe sign on for a month or something, like pay one month and watch the movie, that might be worth it if I can then just bail out because I really want to see this. I had not even heard of this movie until this week and I didn't watch the trailer until today. It looks amazing, Jeff. Yeah,
1: it looks really cool. And Tom Hanks is a big world war II buff and he's like a nerd about it too. So it's going to be like as well as authentic as movies can be, but like he's going to, he will demand that detailed, be paid attention to when they make this sort of a movie. And you're right about Apple, and I think one of the reasons they may have done something like this is because I think some of their content might be drying up a little bit just because of the, you know, entire Hollywood shutdown that... A lot of, Like, Netflix has a lot of stuff in the hopper, but I don't think Apple had that much, so maybe they actually needed to buy this just to, so they'd have something to offer the people that have already subscribed to it. Um, and I know you're a Samsung phone guy, and that's too bad, because I did read that if you buy, like, a new Apple phone, you get Apple TV Plus free for a year. So
0: Oh, well, that's a good hook for them. That's a really yeah. good hook for them. Okay, that's kind of like when you sign on to uh, Amazon Prime, you get Amazon Prime Video as well, like just Amazon Prime, like for the for its shopping service. Right. You, then you get Amazon Prime Video, because that's how I rediscovered that I had access to Prime Video, because <laughs> I remember subscribing to Amazon Prime months and months back and never ended up using it. Uh, but I figured I'll just check. But yeah, this Greyhound, it looks, it just looks electrifying. This convoy of American ships uh, oh. crossing the Atlantic, they're pursued by these German U boats. It looks amazing. It's really. Too Too bad that's not going to be playing on a big screen because I don't do war movies a lot, but I would have gone to see that for sure on the big screen. One quick thing. that This movie
1: will add to the Tom Hanks uh, growing reputation of don't ever travel with Tom Hanks in a movie because it never goes well. <laughs> and he's either the captain of a boat or a spaceship or an airplane or something where something terrible happens, or he gets stranded on an island, right? So it is, now he'll be stuck he's surrounded by U-boats in the middle of the ocean on a boat.
0: That is, I never I never would have thought about that, but you're right, he's been in so many movies involving transportation disasters. Up next, potential changes for the Oscars, big potential changes, and Jeff alluded to Netflix. They've got something big cooking up this weekend. Details in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes.
1: Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and we're going to talk a little Oscars now as the pandemic is threatening Hollywood's biggest night. We get the latest from Jason Nathanson.
0: The Oscar goes
1: to... Nobody? Paris. With production still shut down in Hollywood and
0: movie releases on pause, it's no surprise that the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is thinking about the fate of next year's Academy Awards. And Variety is out with the story. Quoting sources is saying the Academy is
1: considering postponing the 2021 Oscars set for February 28th, with one source calling the postponement, quote, likely... The Academy has not officially commented on that article, at least not as of Thursday afternoon when we're recording this. So yeah, they're thinking about pushing it back from the end of February where it is supposed to go off at this point. And I don't, I mean, that seems an awfully far away from now to be worried that much about it, especially since The legit planning of that thing never really happens until October, November, I don't think. And they sometimes don't even announce a host until, like, January. So it seems like they might be getting away from themselves because, again, we've mentioned this before, the first time they were sniffing at trouble was, um, you know, because a lot of the Oscar movies aren't scheduled to come out until October, November, December, January anyways. It seems like they've got an awful lot of rope, and I don't know
0: why they would need to stir anything up just yet for it. Jimmy Kimmel had this to say, that which is kind of amusing.
1: One thing we might not have in L.A. is the Oscars. Word around town is the Academy Awards, which are scheduled for February, will not happen in February. Why they would cancel a show that is nine months away, I don't know. But it seems to me this is a pretty blatant attempt to keep Sonic the Hedgehog from winning Best Picture. But I guess
0: it's just the next logical step. The last two years they've had no host. Now they have no show. Of course, Jimmy Kimmel, I think, was the last guy to host the Oscars before they went to no host, right? Yeah, and they're always on ABC, so and
1: he's on ABC, so honestly, I don't know why they just don't get him to host it all the time. He's good at
0: it. Yeah, I thought he was great. He's likable. He's funny. He, he sort of he, I think he's a safe choice with a slight edge.
1: Yeah, he's got enough of an edge that it makes you feel like, oh, this guy's... You know, not afraid to say stuff, but he's also
0: not, like, just a raging jackass, either. All right. Hey,
1: let's have a look at what's coming to home
0: video. Why don't we start with the one that's out on Netflix this weekend?
1: It's called The Lovebird, starring Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae. <gasps> he's dead. We, we know he's dead, but we didn't kill
0: him. He, like, tripped a murder or whatever. We didn't murder anybody. One, two, three, go. god no. 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 Okay, the guy's name is Jabron. Run, Leilani! And the girl's name's actually Leilani. She's running too now. Kind of so like she's wearing heels that look actually amazing. We have to go to the police because we have nothing to hide. So why to she run from the scene of the crime? Good question, officer. That's me covering up my body cam so I can beat your ass
1: comes to it's all it's out on netflix now it's came out this weekend it was also supposed to be a theatrical release and a few months ago you know it was supposed to open at a i think the south by southwest film festival and then hopefully get some distribution there or whatever but it just never happened of course because of the pandemic so now it's coming out on netflix this weekend and they play a young couple who stumble upon a uh, murder and it sort of looks like they did it and then they got to spend the rest of the movie trying to clear their names it should be funny um there were better clips to be played but they all are just full of swears because I guess if the movie's like R-rated Netflix just puts out R-rated trailers to it. Uh, it just drives me nuts when I'm trying to find <laughs> clips for the radio Brett.
0: <laughs> yeah that movie was supposed to come out April 3rd <laughs> uh, released by Paramount Pictures but they decided to sell the rights to Netflix so I think that's going to do really well for Netflix because it does have uh, uh, it looks like the production value clearly is theatrical so I think it'll do well and it's getting decent reviews. Last I it was around 74 percent on rotten tomatoes apparently it's a very silly movie and it's a stupid movie but it's a fun movie anchored by the two great performances from the cast so i think that'll be a good one heading into the weekend
1: Absolutely. And if it's silly and stupid and getting reviews or Rotten Tomatoes score in the 70s, that means it's probably pretty good because a silly, stupid movie is not going to get much better than that. On Blu-ray DVD on Tuesday, we've talked about it before, it's The Invisible Man starring Elizabeth Moss. That uh, actually did make it into theaters briefly, and it's been available to buy and rent uh, for on VOD or whatever for a while. But if you want a hard copy of The Invisible Man by with Elizabeth Moss, that comes out on Tuesday.
0: And that has a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, 88% audience score if you're into that. that so uh, that's a, a scary movie that actually delivered. I remember watching the trailer thinking, that looks great, and it turns out I guess it was great, so I will need to check this out sooner or later. And Elizabeth Moss is so good at everything she touches. Although I never did finish season two of The Handmaid's Tale, and I guess there, there was a third season, wasn't there?
1: There was, and I didn't even watch
0: it just because uh, the end of season two
1: was not great. It was kind of... there's It was an ending that was like, oh, they just ended it like that because they need another season of TV out of this, which was kind of off-putting, and frankly, that show sure was just such a bummer, I just couldn't take any more of it.
0: Yeah. Hey, up next, we are going to count down. Well, I don't know what we count down, but Jeff wants to mark the 25th anniversary of a great action film, and he has pulled some of his favorite third installments in the various movie franchises i got a couple as well actually i I would have had more but uh, some of the choices that jeff made ended up being mine and it also made me wonder how many third installments are there so i think i'm going to do a quick google of that as we get ready to continue the conversation here you are listening to the couch potatoes
1: welcome back to the couch potatoes i'm jeff he's brett and one of my favorite movies had an anniversary this week and it was the third installment of a franchise, which made me think, ah, maybe it'll be fun for us to talk about our favorite part threes, because it's hard to make a good movie. It's harder yet to make a good sequel. By the time you get to part three, well, it's almost impossible for that to be good. But there are some out there, and we're going to look at our favorites right now. We'll start with the one that celebrated its 25th anniversary this past week, Die Hard with a Vengeance.
0: John McClane, NYPD. On a good day, he's a great
1: cop. You don't like me like you because you're going to get me killed on a bad day he's the best there is on may 19th McClain is back you got a triple a card bruce willis die hard this time with a vengeance rated r Now, I came late to the Die Hard franchise. I I never would have been able to see the first two in theaters anyways, as I was 12 years old when the first one came out, and still too young when the second one came out. But in college, someone was always in my ear about how great they were, so I gave them a shot one weekend, and my mind was blown. And I thought to myself immediately after Die Hard 2 ended, wasn't there a third one recently? When did that come out? Bearing in mind... It was 1995. There was no such thing as the internet. Well, not really. No one had it at the time. And even if you did have it, it wasn't overflowing with information like it is now. So I went down to Blockbuster to investigate. And wouldn't you know it, Die Hard with a Vengeance had just been released on VHS. So that was my lucky day. The next week, I bought a box set that had the first two Die Hards and then a making of Doc for the third one. Remember, this was back when brand new releases cost a fortune to buy. But I patiently waited a couple of months for Blockbuster to sell their used copies probably for 25 dollars, didn't matter had to have it because die hard 3 is almost as good as the first one to me brett the first one's an a plus vengeance i think is an a it brings back the original director john mctiernan who's a fantastic action director it's not as Cliche as Die Hard 2 director Rennie Harlan can be. And the New York City was very refreshing, or New York City setting was very refreshing, as was pairing Bruce Willis with Samuel L. Jackson, who in 1995, of course, was sort of everyone's favorite actor just coming off Pulp Fiction. Add to that the twists and turns by the bad guys and maybe a couple of clunky moments. The third string bad guy's kind of useless. But overall, it's just a great sequel. I always love watching Die Hard with a Vengeance.
0: Rennie Harlan, you mentioned his action cliches for being the director of Die Hard 2. That just made me think. He's also the director of one of my favorite uh, sort of cheesy action movies from the 1990s. Do you remember the long kiss goodnight?
1: I remember the movie. I've not seen the movie, but I remember that it was a movie. Also with Sam Jackson.
0: Yeah, that's right. Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson was hilarious in it. Gina Davis was actually great in that movie. It wasn't... Did she marry Rennie Harlan? Yeah, she was his wife. Anyway, I'm getting us off track. Die Hard 3, you know what? I haven't seen it in, I bet you, 20 years. So you have just inspired me to put this on my list of movies I probably will take five years to watch.
1: <laughs> there you go. You won't be disappointed once you get around to rewatching it. Also, Rennie uh, Harlan made... Cliffhanger, the Sly Stallone movie in the 90s, and I was watching that a few months ago, and stuff just kept picking at my brain, and I was like, oh, this is a guy that made Die Hard 2, and I don't have it anymore, but I made a list of about 15 or 20 similarities between Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger. That guy basically made the same movie twice, just one at an airport, one on a mountain.
0: Whatever works, right? Look at ACDC. They haven't evolved in <laughs> decades, and they're still kicking ass. So, There all you right. go.
1: What's next? All right, back to, back to my list. Here's one you don't hear about much. It's the third Dirty Harry movie starring Clint Eastwood, of course. It's called The Enforcer.
0: You don't give up, do you? Sometimes. Not you. What are you protecting these people for? You know how many they've killed? Sacrifices have to be made, mister. Eastwood is back. The dirtiest Harry of them all. The Enforcer. Rated R.
1: There were five Dirty Harry movies in all, and while they all have their merits, they all also have a lot of cringy stuff, and many fall into the category of not really good movies, but Clint is always worth watching. The Enforcer is just a fun movie, though, and in it, Dirty Harry is saddled with a new partner. He usually is saddled with a new partner because they usually die in each movie. Played here by Tyne Daly, and much, of course, is made of her being a woman in a quote-unquote man's profession, and she really shows the naysayers, including Harry, that she's up to the task. They take on this weird gang that kidnaps the mayor, and the climax is set in the old abandoned San Francisco prison, Alcatraz. The interplay between Eastwood and Daly is a lot of fun, and it makes The Enforcer one of the better Dirty Harry movies. You ever seen a Dirty Harry movie, Brett?
0: I was just going to ask you, how many Dirty Harry movies are there? Five. I have not seen one of them. Wow. I confess. Guns and Roses isn't one of
1: them. The actual Plane. band? Yeah, except without Axel because Jim Carrey's the lead singer, and he gets... <laughs> Killed at the beginning. That's yeah, not even a joke, and it's the it's the final Dirty Harry movie. It's called The Deadpool, and uh, his big kill with the bad guy at the end is he uses a harpoon gun. It's amazing.
0: Nice a harpoon yeah. gun. Okay, oh yeah, I got to check that out. I'll find it on yeah, YouTube. Hopefully, what do you got next? What do you got next? Uh, the third installment of the Christian Bale Batman
1: franchise, The Dark Knight Rises. Do you think he's coming back? I don't know. This is your liberation. This city needs me. I need you to get me back in the game.
0: Remember where you parked?
1: Don't like rises it Takes a little time to get back in a swing of things. So. We did PG-13. Is it as good as The Dark Knight? No, of course not, and I don't think anyone was expecting that it would be. After all, Heath Ledger's Oscar-winning turn as the Joker was a tour-de-force performance that was one of a kind. However, Tom Hardy's Bane, Pretty entertaining. His voice and his grandiose, speech fine are worth the price of admission alone, and that's a pretty good way to go after Ledger's Joker. If you can't top it, why not try something vastly different to tamp down the comparisons? I also like Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, and the movie gave us some fun action. The Batwing and even Robin's sort of in the movie. So, I mean, it is too long and Batman disappears into that prison for like an hour, but The Dark Knight Rises is still just a great Batman movie.
0: It is cool. I did like Tom Hardy's Bane. The voice... Tom Hardy in general is almost <laughs> difficult to understand in every movie he does even that uh, the Dunkirk movie I couldn't understand almost a word of dialogue he had in that because he was a pilot and he was in the cockpit the whole time so yeah. I don't know if that's just his thing but it is fun to try to mimic the voice you know when he says things like when Gotham is ashes you have my permission to die it's just fun and I appreciate the commitment that he put into bulking up for that role because the Bane Character is pretty iconic. And from what I understand, the way they treated that character in that Batman and Robin movie is blasphemy. You've seen that one, right? Batman and Robin? The Schwarzenegger one? Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. like Bane in the comic books is uh, his, one of his most feared villains. He's a master tactician, and Tom Hardy brings that out. The one thing I hated about The Dark Knight Rises is how little Batman was in the movie. I mean, he pops up as Batman, I think, what, like right at the end in the last 20 minutes or something? I don't know. Just It just aggravated me. Uh, yeah, but still good.
1: Yeah, he's definitely out of... He's like in that prison with a broken back for the longest time. It's way too long. So that is, I think, the main knock against that movie going in. And yeah, the Bane voice is amazing. My favorite thing to do with the Bane voice is whenever... If you're in a room and the the power goes out, and the, like if the lights go out or whatever, and then I just go, Oh, you think darkness is your ass? <laughs> <laughs> and almost nobody gets it.
0: All right. Uh, so well, hey. L- l- speaking of darkness, I I see next. You're taking us to the dark side.
1: Yes, my favorite Star Wars movie is actually the third one, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, from the desert fortress of Jabba the Hut
0: to the Death Star of the Galactic Empire. To the forest city of the Ewoks. This is
1: the climactic chapter in the Star Wars saga. Remember the Force. Rejoice in the triumph. Return of the Jedi. Rated PG. Now playing at a theater in your galaxy. In the last few years, the ranking of Star Wars movie has been a nerdy pastime for many as the deck gets shuffled every time a new movie comes out. And I've always I've been dismayed by the fact that Return of the Jedi is often falling out of people's top three. I guess people don't like the Ewoks. I don't know. For my money, the original trilogy are the three best, hands down. And I like Jedi the most because, while well, it has a happy ending. It also has the best space battle of any of them, with Lando leading the attack on the second Death Star. And the lightsaber battle between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader is very cinematic and dramatic and then the climax between them with the emperor is also you know just a very satisfying conclusion to that saga i also think the speeder chase in the forest with luke lay and the stormtroopers is the best action scene in any of the star wars movies brett
0: return of the jedi was my favorite film period for years basically until the matrix came out in 1999 and as i've gone continue to age I think the Empire Strikes Back has overtaken Return of the Jedi in terms of like when I rank them based on which ones I think are best I would put Empire first but Return of the Jedi I still have the most fun when I watch that one uh, because I had such great memories of it when I was a kid and yeah all the things that you listed blew my mind when I was a kid and that speeder chase for what it's worth still looks pretty good it still takes my breath away
1: it does. There's this one one shot in that thing about halfway through or two-thirds of the way through where they sort of slow down to take a corner and the camera moves left to right and it's just this big sweeping shot as they do this big banking turn. It just blows my mind every time. It's my favorite shot in all of Star Wars.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I... that bothers me now when I watch Return of the Jedi is the constant tinkering that George Lucas did when he added Darth Vader saying no when he throws (laughs) the Emperor over that makes me so mad because that's not in the original and uh, anyway I I just wish I could go back and watch the original like I, I wish I hadn't gotten rid of my VHS copies of the unfiltered you know George Lucas experimenting over the years and just watch the original so yeah up next we're going to the Wild West And to the land of Middle Earth You're listening to The Couch Potatoes
1: Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes I'm Jeff, he's Brett We're talking about movie trilogies Or at least the third installment of movie franchises Running down some of our favorites And the next one for me is Back to the Future Part 3 Get
0: ready What's your name, dude? Clint Eastwood What kind of stupid name is that? Get set It's time to go back
1: last time. There's a, hold
0: up! It's a science
1: experiment. Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd. Back to the Future Part 3. Where'd you learn to shoot like that? 7-Eleven. Rated PG.
0: Starts Friday, May
1: 25th at theaters everywhere. And that was May 25th, 1990, so the 30th anniversary is actually this Monday. Back to the Future, one of those trilogies where... Like the Star Wars, it's hard to think of one of the movies without thinking of them all. They're all continuations of the same story. I feel like the real time that Marty experiences from beginning to end is like two and a half weeks. That's an insane amount of things to happen to one guy in two and a half weeks. The third installment, of course, is the one set in the Old West, where Marty goes back to Hill Valley circa 1885 to save Doc Brown from dying in a gunfight with Buford Tannen. People seem to dump on this one because of the Western cliches and that stuff, which I don't really get. It's having fun with Westerns. It's not actually trying to be a real Western. It's just a fun adventure movie, and like the first one, delivers a very effective suspense scene when they're trying to get that train up to 88 miles per hour to go back to the future one last time. Uh, A fun fact, Rhett, I don't know if you've ever seen this, watch the final scene where Doc comes back and introduces his sons. One of those kids makes the weirdest hand gesture with the weirdest facial expression. It's one of the creepier things you'll ever see on film. If you just go to YouTube and do Back to the Future 3 kid, it'll come up and it blows my mind. It's just insane. I don't know how uh, the editors didn't see that and get rid of it.
0: Yeah, I, th- I, I didn't notice that up until a couple of years ago. Someone on the internet pointed <laughs> it out, and now you can't unsee it. I, it's funny that people dump on this one, it, because I seem to remember, and my memory just could be off of this, but my recollection of the, re- pe- the way people received Back to the Future 3 was that it was the better of the two sequels, because Back to the Future Part Two was so convoluted, and Part yeah. Three was kind of the more relaxed. Let's go back to the Wild West. Either way, Part Two is cool, and Part Three I think is fun. And ZZ Top showing up is a nice little trick that they were able to get into the movie. So yeah, I. But for me, nothing compared. Like the Back to the Future One is the all-time classic. Two and three are nice sort of add-ons. That honestly, if they disappeared forever, I would. Not be sad. Hey, uh, I got. I pulled a couple here. I'll just mention mine quickly. This is one of my favorite third installments. You had Return of the Jedi. I've got. How do we know Frodo is alive? What does your heart tell you? They're precious, eyes. He means to murder us, You don't see
1: it, do you? Come to me.
0: He's leading us
1: into a trap. One wrong turn. One small denial
0: seal the doom of The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, rated PG-13. Return of the King, Lord of the Rings. I just watched this a few weeks back. I love this movie, although I will say it is exhausting to watch that movie from start to finish in one shot, Jeff.
1: Oh, it's so long. And, and it, yeah, that extended version is, what, close to four hours, I think, eh? Four and a half is it that long? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, that, that, Yeah, that's that's almost too long. I think if I rewatched Return of the King, I might just go back to the theatrical version.
0: <laughs> it's worth watching, I think, but it, it almost needs to be done in two days. I did actually try to get through all three extended cuts in one day, and I made it to the halfway point of Return of the King and then I fell asleep on my couch. Oh. And I'll just very quickly mention this. Another third installment that I really like is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm just going to talk about it rather than play the clip here because we only have about a minute. But my sort of Harry Potter experience was weird in the sense that I had not read any of the books and I hadn't seen any of the movies. I saw the third movie first and then I saw the second movie and then the first movie, so I I watched them completely out of order and then I read the first three books and got caught up, the books and movies and then I read the fourth book and, and so on and, and continue to see the movies in order from there but the third one is still the second highest ranked on Rotten Tomatoes and it was when the kids entered adolescence so the tone in the movie changed but the director, Alfonso Cuaron a highly recognized and acclaimed director, he brought a really unique sort of look and feel to it, and it it was just an emotional, touching film. It really helped sort of catapult the Harry Potter franchise forward and then that it's not just silly adventures for kids, but that this was stuff everybody could enjoy. So there you go. Those are our favorite third installments. You can let us know on Twitter at CouchPotato68 which ones you like. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if you're listening to this on the radio, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.